Hi, this is Chris Foreman from Madness, and you're listening to the Stateside Madness podcast. <laughs> Hi there, folks out there. I'd like you to meet Tommy McGuire's combo. Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness podcast, the one and only podcast of the official Madness American fan service. I'm Lori, along with my co-host Polly, here to bring you news, reviews, and deep dives into the nutty sound of the British pop band Madness. Welcome back to the Stateside Madness podcast. I'm Lori. And I'm Polly. I'm so excited. We're finally doing the album that I really, really like. Yay. Uh, yeah, um, I'm excited too. But, you know, before we get into that, I think we need to start with the communicator. So first up on the communicator, really good news, especially to fans in the United States. Madness has a record store day release. It is going to be a 12-inch single of baggy trousers. Doubly luckily, doubly luckily, I sound like Ned Flanders. Um, doubly lucky. Uh, so we're getting uh, baggy trousers, greatest madness song ever. And um, unlike in the UK, where they seem to get a Madness release every uh, record store day, finally we get one here. So I'm very excited for that. Uh, the record is going to include six tracks, Baggy Trousers, of course, La Grande Pantaloon, uh, Disappear, The Business, That's the Way to Do It, and a remaster of On the Beat Beat. Now, uh, if you remember... Humphrey Ocean cover illustration that the original uh, seven inch single um, bore um, in 1980. Uh, they're going to have that be the same cover art. So definitely very cool. Um, very excited for it. And look for that on June 18th at your local independent record stores. Okay. Next up on the communicator, we have a message from our dear friend, Nick Woodgate, AKA the Jojo man band. So he says, it's been two years, five albums, and 20 singles since starting the JoJo Man Band. So I'm releasing this album, Dr. No, which includes every single released since January 2020. Now, this is already available on bandcamp.com, and it will be available on Spotify on April 22nd. So congratulations on five albums and 20 singles, Nick. Absolutely. Good, good work done. And uh, we thank you for your support. We want to support you right back. Chris, what time is it? Showtime. So what Lori was alluding to the album she's wanting to review for so long would have been 1999's Wonderful. Now, Wonderful was the band's seventh studio album. 
And the first studio album in 14 years since Mad Not Mad back in 1985. Now, the band had been riding high on their success of uh, Madstock 1998. All seven members were back in the band. Uh, producers Clive Langer and Alan Winston Lee were along as well to produce Wonderful. So, yeah, there's a lot of expectations. It was that classic mixture for recording an, a Madness album. The Madness was released in the UK on November 1st, 1999. And unfortunately, it was only available in the U.S. as an import. And that's why we haven't reviewed it up until this point, because very early on, Polly, you and I made the decision that we were going to review American releases only. But now that the U.S. tour has been canceled slash postponed, we, uh, we decided that we'd do a little bit more of a dig into the band's catalog. So, yeah, this is really exciting wonderful was really it was the band's big comeback album right they broke up in 86 they reformed for a few mad stocks i think there were like what four mad stocks maybe you mentioned mad stock 98 uh which was the one right before this so expectations for this album were really high this was you know the comeback uh mark bedford who is our favorite bassist he designed the cover i don't know where the cover photograph was taken it looks like it's in a tube station somewhere but i don't know where and i'm supposed you know polly uh no uh the you know the london tube stations are divided it you know into ones that are a little closer to the ground you take maybe an elevator or steps down uh this one was one of the deeper ones it would appear because i think they're on an escalator so mm -hmm. uh, that usually signifies ones that go down multiple, multiple stories. And, uh, you know, there's what I could guess there's probably uh, probably 80 of them. So I'm not even yeah. going to venture which one it might have been. All right. Well, maybe somebody out there knows where the photograph was taken. Uh, if so, you know, tweet us or, or hit us on Facebook and let us know because I'm, I'm dying to know where it was taken. Now, the album title Wonderful was taken from the song You're Wonderful by Carl. And that's kind of ironic because You're Wonderful didn't actually make the album. It ended up being a B-side to one of the singles, Johnny the Horse. Now, by all accounts, especially according to the John Reed biography of the band, it sounds like the selection process for um, what songs would be included got really heated. And there was actually quite a bit of fighting. Some of the songs had been played prior to the album uh, some of them had been played at some of the mad stock shows it was uh, very very heated and 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 some hard feelings i think when some songs got left off but the songs that did make it absolutely freaking incredible as we're about to see and why don't we start off then the first song on the album love strap it's a tomo and barson composition it's also the first single off the album. It was released July 19th, 1999. And as the story goes, inspired by Lee's love of drinking. He's not the only one. It peaked at number 10 on the UK singles chart, which was the first time a new Madness release had reached the top 10 since the 1983 release of The Sun and the Rain. The song also charted in Iceland, making it to number 36 of the top 40. 
Let's listen to Love Struck. For one more round. Oh, involve me in libations, sick of rocking my foundation. I pick up my relations, put me on probation. Oh, I'll take So what do you think about Love Struck? Oh, holy cow. What a great way to open their comeback album, right? Uh, it just opens up with this strong Mike Barson piano. And then staggering home. It just hits you over the head. Ah, so, so good. This is everything that we love about madness. It's a catchy tune. It doesn't take itself too seriously. The video is hysterical. Yeah, we're off to a fantastic start. What do you think of Love Struck? Well, I'd agree with everything you said uh, right there. Uh, if you can imagine getting wonderful, putting it on your turntable, or at that point could have been a CD player, and um, being like, oh my God, these guys have it anymore. Um, and hearing Love Struck, I think you'd be drawn right back in, be very, very happy. Uh, it's a wonderful composition. It's it's right up there as one of my favorite Madness songs, and, and why wouldn't it be? And a huge crowd pleaser to hear that played live. So um, yeah, that really it really sets the stage for what is figuratively, literally, or maybe literally in both sense, a wonderful album. Yeah, it's a fantastic song. Okay, well, so next up we have a song written by Carl Smith called Johnny the Horse. Now we have talked about this one a little bit. It was the second single off of the album. It was released in October of 1999. It peaked at number 44 in the UK singles chart. We mentioned this in a previous episode. It was inspired by two down and out street persons with whom Carl had struck up an acquaintance. And one of them was murdered in an abandoned building and the other was just completely distraught and, you know, oh, you know, they, they kicked him to death or something to that effect. Hence the, the opening line, you know, Johnny the horse was kicked to death. He died for entertainment. Carl said, I was moved to write about this to the point there are so many who disappear onto the streets, forgotten or ignored. So do you remember his name? In fact, I do. Johnny the horse was kicked to death. He died for entertainment Would you believe he came out well He had a bright inquiring mind His family knew that he'd go far If he applied his time But he started out standing on corners And talking out loud Too loud You see, you couldn't believe in himself or the Holly, tell us what you think of Johnny the Horse. Uh, well, I, I love the song. It's very endearing. 
as people are familiar with me saying, it's got all the qualities I like it. A very strong melody, very, very much so. Um, all the elements of a great menace song, very upbeat, moderate to fast tempo. It's just, it's fantastic. Uh, very hooky as far as the song goes. You know, the chorus, definitely a bit of a sing-along chorus and the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, which I didn't do very well. But, um, you know, that uh, sort of element few nonsense uh, uh, words, a sort of staccato sort of repetition thing really adds a lot to a chorus like that. And um, yeah, it's very lively, very energetic. I think it's a fantastic song. Ironically, it is really, really, really sad. Um, but uh, as we've said before, that's uh, a trait that our, our band displays a lot is that they can take uh, somber and downbeat topics and make a very upbeat song out of it. And uh, hence, we've got Johnny the Horse. Yeah, oh, I love this one as well. I absolutely love this one. It's uh, it's it's kind of a drinking song, isn't it? Maybe a little bit to me. For me, many, many, many songs are, but no, yeah. Holly, uh, I, I was gonna say for you, everything is a drinking <laughs> song. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I really, really enjoy this one. It's one of my favorite Madness videos. I know we talked about this during uh, our episode where we counted down our uh, fan favorite videos. There's actually, if you look very closely in the video, I don't know if we talked about this. Um, Lee has a black eye in the video. And apparently the night before they shot the video, Lee and Carl got into a fist fight. So things were still kind of tense. You know, this wasn't all sunshine and roses with the band there was still some tension going on there and yet they created you know this wonderful wonderful art out of it last thing i'll say about the song is they had to release a different version of the song for uh bbc radio because they wouldn't start the song off with johnny the horse was kicked to death so then there was another version that they released that began johnny the horse he passed this way because i guess it was a little less offensive for radio listeners Hmm. peculiar all right a song that's going to be familiar to all our listeners i would hope to everybody else regardless of if you're a listener or not but it is another sugs in smash composition it is the communicator Right, Lori. Well, I already know you're a fan, but why don't you give us your perspective on The Communicator? Oh, it's just such a fun song. And it's got the, the back and forth between Carl and Suggs, which I love. I love it when the boys trade off lines like that. It's very kind of up-tempo, uplifting. It's got a couple of, I guess, bumper sticker platitudes, right? Uh, today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. But it's just such a fun song. And I can't, I cannot help but smile every time I hear it. Well, how about you, Polly? Well, uh, 
I, I love it for pretty much about the same reasons. Uh, but, you know, they draw in so many, wouldn't necessarily say elements, but almost like um, riffs and things like that, almost as an homage to quite a few different people. You know, the horns are borrowed from the Archie Sugar Sugar, um, which is, you know, a fantastic piece of pop. Literally, probably the... Um, the quintessential if not the original bubblegum song so the horn riff is really really strong right off the bat um and you know the inter the introduction or what you might say uh being the uh lead into the verse the i am the communicator very reminiscent of dave and ansel collins double barrel uh which they borrowed from before uh the opening lines are one step beyond uh, both pull elements from David Ansel's uh, Double Barrel and uh, Monkey Spanner. You know, the heavy, heavy monster sound and uh, don't listen to that, listen to this. So um, I, I'm a huge David Ansel Collins fan. Um, I would be regardless if my last name wasn't Collins. Uh, I like to think I might be a, a great grandnephew of, of Ansel, but probably not. So yeah, the communicator, it just has an awful, awful lot uh, to like there. And a lot of people think fairly reminiscent of War's Lowrider as well. So yeah, it's fantastic. It, it's, again, get ready, folks. I'm probably going to be pretty repetitive this uh, episode, but uh, it's right up there as one of my favorite Madness songs. You know, that's interesting. I never thought about the lowrider. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that one again. I mean, I love that song too. I associate it with Cheech and Chong, of course. But yeah, so I went and I listened to Double Barrel because I'd never heard it before. And the very first line, I am the magnificent. And so, yeah, it's not hard to kind of see the parallels where, where they got I am the communicator from. Really, really cool analysis there. All right, so next up, we have one, we've talked about this in a few episodes recently. This was written by Suggs with Mike Barson. It was originally on Suggs' solo album, but it was re-recorded with the band. It's called 4AM. Let's listen. So Polly, it's four in the morning. Why don't you call me? Well, that, that would that would just be rude. Although maybe not with you. You're a bit of a night owl. You're probably up. And um, you're usually just waking up at that time, aren't you? <laughs> I do have a tendency to get up about 4 a.m. Yes, it's true. We, we have this overlap where it's like the time <laughs> that I'm going to bed is the time that you're waking up. But uh, what can you tell us about the song? So 4 a.m., um, it's it's a fantastic composition. It's uh, It's a definitely worthy of being um, on the album and I'm not gonna lie I think the placement of it is actually really really good following those three really strong upbeat songs uh, this is a bit more mid-tempo but uh, you know it's um, 
you know, it, it flows rather nicely in that spot. And I think you're going to add a little bit of the context to it because it's not the first uh, time this verse, this song rather, has been heard in Madness Land. Yeah, that's right. It was uh, on Suggs's solo album, The Lone Ranger, and uh, it it was re-recorded by the band for this album. Now, I think there's also a connection to the Kinks, isn't there? I know you're you're the Kinks fan, Polly. Uh, yeah, it 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 does have a connection. So. Um, uh, so I don't know where um, we heard it, but some people have uh, said that it's a tribute to the Kinks Waterloo Sunset with its mention of Terry and Julie characters from that song. So um, can't go wrong with that. We know that there is both a connection with between the Kinks and Madness because of Madness being fans. But in turn, uh, the Kinks uh, really did have an awful lot of respect for Madness and um, Dave Davies in particular. So so there you go what comes around goes around yeah so and i know i've talked about this so we talked about a 4 a.m in our love struck episode we were talking about the love songs of madness and i i think i said in that episode i'll say it again who has not been there who has not been lying awake in the middle of the night wondering where did i go wrong with this relationship how do i get this person back right we've all been there this is something that is just so relatable and and it really the the melody is very nice too. You know, it's 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 a good song. So what's up next, Polly? So up next, it's the wizard. I can read what's going through your mind. I'm gonna put a spell on you Just to see exactly what you'll do It reminds me of like an old 60s sitcom, like maybe like I Dream of Genie kind of thing song, you know? The whistling's a little weird. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I could take or leave this one. This is, it's okay. It, it's not as strong as some of the other ones on the album. What do you think of this one, Polly? Uh, I'm all right with it. Yeah, uh, I think I, I would probably parallel what you had said there. It's, you know, it's them being goofy, bringing the nightiness back. I remember getting the album and wondering, oh my God, could they have covered T-Rex's The Wizard? And I was, I was hugely disappointed because I should have known when it was such a short song. You know, it's funny you mentioned that you kind of wished it was a cover of the T-Rex because when I saw the, the title, Wonderful, I kind of wished that there had been a cover of the Adam Ant song, Wonderful. That would have been really nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's a fantastic, uh, you know, example of 
you know, kind of what the boy's personality is, but so far as like a song that you're going to pop on all the time and listen to over and over. Yeah, probably not so much. And uh, as we mentioned in previous episodes, this song was done as a cover by Right Said Fred, who have kind of found themselves in a little bit of hot water recently. They've made some very unfortunate statements. <laughs> and we'll just leave it at that. All right, next up, another favorite here at Stateside Madness. It's Drip Fed Fred. Let's listen. We want Freddy for a leader. Freddy is a man of class. We want Freddy for a leader. Oh, stand, stand and raise your champagne glass. Gentlemen and assassins and ladies of the night, I call upon you this evening in the hope of shedding some light. I can't go into detail or finger unfounded fools, but there are some here amongst us that are not playing to the rules. I've rounded up the lowlife and local CID, offered a free massage, or else the third degree. There is no simple solution in this life we lead, so make things easy for yourself to the baronage Holly, talk to me. What do you think of Drip Fed Fred? Well, we've talked about this a, a great deal. Um, as we, we have probably quite a few um, songs on this album. I would love this uh, song um, just based off the idea that they brought Ian Dury in. You know, he was quite ill at that point. Um, it was a, a strong sign of respect on their part and the fulfillment of many of the band members maybe might even say all of theirs dream of, of performing with him. So there's a lot right there to like. And, and this actually was the very last song that Ian Dury would record before he died in March of 2000. Yeah. Yeah. That it was. Um, but you know, uh, it could have been overly uh, melodramatic, overly saccharine, over sent, overly sentimental, and it wasn't. It manages to be a fantastic song in its own right. Um, mm -hmm. It was the third single off the album. It was released in January of 2000. It peaked at number 55 in the UK singles charts. Um, you know, so it wasn't a strong, strong performer for him. But um, I think it was a bit of a grower. I think people in time, um, particularly Corn, you know, Madness fandom, um, really became came to appreciate it. You know, Chris Foreman had speculated that the central character might have really been inspired by Lee's father, um, who, as we know, was a bit of a rapscallion, bit of a uh, man of the street, you might say. Good um, word. Rapscallion. Yeah. <laughs> Good word. We've been saying all along how influential Ian Dury has been on Madness. As a matter of fact, we did an entire episode on this back in episode 19. So I really recommend that our listeners go back and listen to that if you haven't already. But if you listen to the original demo that Lee recorded, and it is available in the, uh, the special edition box set, whatever, you can hear Lee doing the vocals, but you do hear this kind of underlying Ian Dury kind of style. The influence was there. And then by some weird coincidence, after they recorded the demo, Lee encamped back to his hotel and who should be in the lobby of the hotel holding court with a swarm of people around him, 
hanging on every word he was saying, but Ian Dury. I mean, if that's not fate, I don't know what is. Ian takes a look at Tomo and says, what the fuck are you doing here? And next thing you know, they're in the recording studio together. I mean, that is so serendipitous. And the result is absolutely fabulous. And there's so many, so many Ian Dury influences in the song. I mean, even the slide whistle. I mean, that was something we heard a lot in the Blockheads. Fantastic song. Up next, we've got a Barson composition. It's Going to the Top. circus-like sound again huh i mean we talked about that last episode how this seems to kind of be a recurring theme with the like the carnival organ or circus organ not one of my favorite songs you, you gotta keep in mind every song on this album is so good that the ones that i don't like as much are still pretty good and i would say that this is pretty good it's not one of the best ones on the album it's basically about the band's experience with success and with fame, right? The line, wagging tongues may call you snide. You may not know who's on your side when you're going to the top, right? Like you got to watch out. People are going to stab you in the back. What do you think of going to the top? Yeah, well, you're not going to get a lot of disagreement with me here. I think what you said about uh, there not really being a, a, a bad song on the album is true. It doesn't mean there's not a weak spot. And this, this might be it for the whole album. If it was on a weaker album, I'd say it'd be very forgettable. You know, like a rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, this song probably quite familiar to a lot of people because of how strong of an album Wonderful is. So, you know, people get it out, they listen to it. And if they listen into it, they're going to hear it going to the top. So, you know, it may uh, grow on a lot of people too, for that reason. It might get listened to a lot. But yeah. For me, not super strong. All right. Next up, Elysium. It was written by Lee and Woody. Let's listen.
Okay, Polly, tell us your thoughts, please. Elysium. Well, uh, you know, I do like the song. It's a very strong uh, song, as does happen the, you know, the few times that uh, uh, Woody and Tomo do get together. They do tend to write some pretty decent stuff. You know, it's, it's a poignant song, which is not necessarily something that, you know, work, works for me every time. I like the madcap craziness, and I like it in, in big doses, too. And this, and this song doesn't really deliver that. But um, melodically, I think it's a fantastic song. Not, not, not necessarily my thing, but a very, very, very strong effort on their part. What about you, Lori? I like it. If you listen very closely to the lyrics, it's, it's clearly about manic depression. Elysium in Greek mythology is, it's like the land of milk and honey, right? I mean, it's like a paradise. And it's really almost kind of ironic, this, this song being called that because it's an unattainable state for somebody that suffers from depression. That you're always trying to find it, but it's never really there. The lyrics really kind of point to that. And I think it's very, very beautiful. There's one part at the very end. It's, uh, I think it might be Lee, because it sounds kind of like Lee, where he's saying, it's okay, I don't mind. And um, that, that part hits me. I, you know, I, don't, I don't really know why that that part just really touches me so i like this one it's it's as you said it's not typical for the band necessarily it's a lot more electronic and uh, you know like maybe more like the mad not mad era but uh i think it's a decent song okay next up we have saturday night sunday morning which was written by our friend suggs was um premiered at madstock 3 in 1996 so some madness fans might have known this song before it appeared on the album what do you think of saturday night sunday morning polly i like it a great deal actually yeah i think it's um very uh representative of what suggs does when he writes solo i think it's definitely got a bit of a nostalgic throwback sound to it you know, thematically, I think it's it's exactly what we would expect out of out of Suggs. So, uh, yeah, I, I tend to like this song a great deal. What about you? Well, it does really have this kind of mid '60s Motown rhythm, doesn't it? The interplay between I think Mike's piano, Betters' bass, really, really strong. It's got a nice groove to it. 
it's catchy. I know I say that a lot, but it, it really is. It's uh it's a decent jam. So I, I like this one. Okay, next up, Polly, here's one that we've uh we've talked about before. It's a song called If I Didn't Care. And it was a cover of the Ink Spots song from 1939. Before we listen to the Madness version, let's listen a bit to the original by the Ink Spots. If I didn't care More than words can say If I didn't care Would I feel this way If this isn't love Okay, so that was the original. We want to give our listeners a little bit of a frame of reference here. So now let's listen to Madness, If I Didn't Care. I know this time I know this time I know this time I know this time If I didn't care More than words can say If I didn't care Would I feel this way If this isn't love Then why do I thrill And what makes my head go round and round Okay, so Polly, what are your thoughts on If I Didn't Care? Well, um, it's funny. We just reviewed this for our Valentine's episode. Um, I don't care for it, uh, actually. Um, I think what I had said in the previous episode is if you do a cover, you don't have to be completely faithful to the original, but um, it really helps to keep the hallmark elements of an original in place to at least make it identifiable. And of course, uh, the Ink Spots version, what is the main you know, uh, feature, the main um, element that draws you into the song is that high uh, vocal trill that, uh, you know, that falsetto um, and delivery, and uh, it doesn't happen here. And I really think it brings the song down a great deal. Um, so yeah, it does not do it for me. Well, you, you know, cause we have discussed this before and this is where I disagree with you. I, um, I love the fact that the band changed it and made it their own and that it doesn't sound like the original. The original had this kind of like doo-wop sound, which is okay, but it's just not something that I would want Madness to try. So I think they really did succeed in making this their own. I love the baseline of this one. There's some good harmonies, even though they don't have that falsetto that you're talking about, Polly. I think there's some good harmonies. And quite frankly, I had no idea until very recently that this was a cover. I really just 
thought this was another madness composition because it fits so nicely with the other song. So I think that this is a decent cover. All right. Next up then, composition by Tomo, by Woody, and by our friend Nick Woodgate. It's No Money. no money the song the song not the reality uh, yeah tell me about it no i like it i like the song it's it, it kind of paints a bit of a, a picture right we have you know this girl who's just kind of you know into fancy things and money and stuff and uh you know the the guy in the relationship is just kind of well you know i haven't got no money to keep this affair afloat and i think i sunk my boat Right. I mean, it's uh, very relatable, but it, it's in a fun way. You know what I mean? It's not a not a sad song. What do you think of it? I, I do enjoy it. I think what makes this notable for me is I feel it's you know, a fairly dynamic song, really. It's not a, uh, you know, uh, doesn't really have a horizontal flow. There's a bit of, you know, bit of peaks and valleys to it, I think you'd say. So uh, I think uh, a lot of the dynamism, is that a dynamism. word? Dynamism, dynamism. Mm-hmm. Really? Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes from, um, you know, maybe from bringing Nick in, not quite an outsider, but somebody who's, um, you know, uh, maybe brings a little bit from the outside, but I, I actually think the more times that they've had more than two songwriters on a song, uh, I think is where you start to see uh, the more dynamic elements. So, you know, maybe what it is, is two people are going to uh, produce a certain amount. Uh, you bring a third person in and uh, that's where the real things start coming out of left field. Um, so, yeah. Bit speculative on my part, bit of bullshit there, but uh, that's my that's my take on the song. Okay, so now you know what's next. That's the end of the album. So Polly, I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite track, and what is your least favorite track? Okay, so my favorite track is definitely going to be the Communicator. Um, that is uh, full force, right in your face. Um, you know dance hall slammer i mean I, I can't listen to that song and not want to move around it's it's fantastic uh and i think i'm going to say uh that my least favorite uh, it's kind of hard because you know the, i don't really don't really find too many of them objectionable uh but i guess it's going to have to be if i didn't care okay 
All right, well, for me, and this was hard picking a favorite track because this is just such an outstanding album. I would say that this album is my favorite Madness album, second only to the Liberty of Norton Folgate. I would say that this is number two in, in terms of my favorite Madness albums. But I think if I had to pick one song out of all of 11 that we've heard, I would pick Johnny the Horse. Least favorite going to the top. The, the circus thing is kind of getting old and cliched at this point. And, you know, honestly, even just the, the singing on the, on the verses, if you're going to the top, it's, just, ugh, no, it, it, it's uninspired. So I, I, I would say that's my least favorite, but again, really, really exceptionally strong album. So I would take that one over, you know, some other songs any day. And that pretty much brings us to the end. We've gone through all of the songs on Wonderful. Now, a little bit about our closing song before we say goodbye. We've found a version of Drip Fed Fred by Funker Volt, a German industrial band. Uh, they broke up last summer, as it turns out. Uh, not that that matters for our purposes here. So anyways, take a listen to that as we conclude the episode. Lori, it's been fun. Yeah, fantastic album. I'm looking forward to doing some more album deep dives in the near future. Thank you again to our listeners. Thank you for listening. We have more exciting content coming up soon. It's a goodbye from me. And that's a goodbye for me. Go get a beer, Stateside Madness.